Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. We are adding the video feature back to the program. Good to have everybody aboard. And we apologize in advance. We apologize. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So if you have a reason to turn away from the screen, we are providing it apparently. 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. So a relatively rare occurrence yesterday at MetLife Stadium as the Giants actually played to a tie for the first time since 1997. It's been quite some time since we have actually witnessed something like that, but it was a 2020 tie between the Giants and the Commanders. And this is a game, and Brian Dable, Paul, even spoke about this after the game. It's really one of those scenarios where you go back and you easily can play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. So many opportunities. The Commanders are doing the same thing. I went back and watched their pressers. I don't think either of these teams knew how to react after the game. They were like, should we feel good? Should we feel bad? Should we feel somewhere in between? But I look at the fact that the Giants, after they scored the go-ahead touchdown and they made it 20-13, to this to me spells it all out. They had seven possessions, Paul. Six punts and a 58-yard missed field goal with three drives ending in three and outs and the two others lasting just four plays apiece. So the opportunities were there. They just could not provide the knockout punch. Two other scoring opportunities in addition to the missed field goal. There was the uh, catch by Slayton at the 35, and then Feliciano gets called for the uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which takes the Giants out of field goal range, so that possession turns up empty. Totally unnecessary. Then there's the bomb to Slayton, where he does a full 180 turn, tries to get his hands on it, does, the ball's in his hands, and then on the way down, he loses it. Now, talking to Victor Cruz after the game, Victor said, you know, the problem was he turned around. He should have just turned his body halfway and tried to haul it in, but instead he went for a two-handed catch, so to do that, he spun around and did an about-face. Made it more difficult than it should have Made it more difficult. Yeah. He, he Poor judgment on the actual catch. And consequently, now that also, by the way, would have been inside the 40, I believe, of Washington. It would have put him in good position. So those are two offensive possessions where the Giants came up empty, once because of a foolish penalty, whether or not it should have been called is irrelevant, because Feliciano did commit the action. And it's optics. Remember, that's what officiating is, optics. Okay. And a drop ball, by the way. The only drop pass the Giants had in the game. They've got 32 drop passes by my film review this season. That was the only one they had yesterday, and it cost them an opportunity for at least three points. Well, you hit the two plays that I was going to get to. The reason why the Feliciano penalty was a killer is because after that catch, you were already knocking on the door of field goal range, especially for Graham Gano. You were at the 35. Yeah, so a 15-yard total penalty made it a negative three game essentially, because it was a 12-yard pass. You get hit with a 15-yard penalty. You go from a huge positive gain to now all of a sudden backwards well, three It's yards. almost like a sack. Yeah, basically. And that, to me, they never regroup from. Because then if you look at all the plays following that, they wound up with 
a yard of total offense after that, Paul, on their next three plays. So they could not wiggle their way out of it. And that was the best chance to get the go-ahead score. No doubt. Right there. No doubt. And this, this is what I talk about all the time when I tell people that, you know, guys got to make plays for the quarterback. Now, in Slayton's case, he's got to make that play for his quarterback and put them in scoring position. In Feliciano's case, you just don't need to be an exhibitionist. It's not necessary. I mean, if I wanted to congratulate you after a catch, I come up to you and I, I give you a tap on the, on, on the butt or a tap on the shoulder or sure. a slap on the head. How many guys will give teammates a headbutt? How about that? You don't need to do Hulk Hogan. That's not necessary. Yeah. And that's why even Feliciano explained himself after the game. But he did. Once again, it doesn't matter the intent. It matters what the official saw. I had no problem with the intent. It was the action. Yeah. 100%. And Brian Dable will say the same thing in terms of what he was discussing after the game. And once again, that plays right into the missed opportunities. Now, remember, they put themselves in an early hole to begin with. They were down 10 nothing in the blink of an eye. You had the early fumble by Daniel Jones. That led to a field goal. Then Terry McLaurin gets the touchdown off a missed tackle by Fabian Morrow. So the Giants, they fought their way back. But the rhythm on offense fluctuated, Paul, in this game. It wasn't a continuous process where even after they regrouped from the 10 nothing deficit, you figured, okay, now it's going to be smooth sailing from this point on. No, not at all. And, and I think it's important you mentioned the missed tackles because on both Washington touchdowns, there were horrible missed tackles. Yep. And the Giants have been in the top three, or if not the best team in the NFL with fewest missed tackles virtually the entire season. And here in one game, in one game, they have two missed tackles on two touchdown pass plays, on catch and runs. I mean, the irony of that is ridiculous. Uh, and we won't even get into the officiating, which I know you don't want to get into. I won't get into it deeply other than to say both teams could probably talk about how um, ragged the calls and non-calls were throughout the game yesterday. How might that have changed things? Look, you could change a call or two either way for either side, and maybe it changes the entire game. So I don't want to play that hypothetical with you. But I think it's fair to say there were a lot of things that went on in that game yesterday that a different pair of eyes would have seen differently. Sure. But, you know, once again, Graham Gano's 58-yard field goal came up short. So to sit here and say if he would have had two extra yards of field positioning versus three, would that have made a difference? We could sit here and speculate all we want. We're never going to know. No, we, we won't know. Um, for all we know, had there been the proper yardage marked off uh, with the ball placement, had the neutral zone infraction been called, uh, had the delay of game been called when the ball was knocked out of Richie James's hands, had all of those things happened and the Giants lined up for a shorter field goal, maybe Washington blocks it. Who knows? We, we, we don't know. So I agree with you in terms of the hypothetical. It doesn't do a lot of service to spend much time dwelling on that. But I will say, all right, I will say, and I'm sorry, ball was mismarked and there were two penalties not called in the final moments before that field goal. That's a fact. Whether or not you think the Giants still would have won the game is all hypothetical. Maybe Gano would have pulled the kick wide left. I don't know the answer to that. A million different scenarios. Yeah, I mean, just like you could point to calls that were missed earlier in the game. One thing I referenced to you off the air was the penalty flag that was picked up which was against the Giants when Terry McLaurin was at the borderline of the goal line. So, I mean, who knows? If they get that, do they punch it in then? And does the game change? Can sit here and go Rag it all the way around. Yeah. That, and that's as far as I'm going to go. And I won't say anything else because, quite frankly, I don't think there's any need to be dwelling on that stuff. Well, Got to move forward. The one thing, though, that I do want to pick up on with respect to Graham Gano, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, well, why didn't the Giants choose to maybe go for a field goal a little bit earlier in overtime? If you remember on the fourth and three, right. they were called for a delay of game penalty. But I think when you see the 58-yard field goal come up short, that would have been a 62-yard attempt, Paul, approximately. The Giants' special teams unit, Thomas McGahee and Brian Dable, clearly knew that that was not a prime Correct. position to put Gano in. And then it's solidified further in my mind based on the fact that Gano comes up short on 58 yards. Well, Gano had told me after the game, I got to him first at his locker, and he said flat out, they knew they had to be five yards closer. 58 was too long. In that end of the building... With the conditions the way they were and the wind blowing as it was, he said we needed to be five yards closer. 53 was going to be the limit. But he said, look, it's the last play of overtime. 58 yards, we've got to try it. 
I mean, you, you can't, oh, you got not, nothing you to can't lose. not kick yeah, it. Sure. And he knew. He said the operation was good. He wanted to kick it straight. He felt that he kicked it good, but he just knew there was not going to be enough on it because of the conditions. I think it's a shame, but I'm with you also. There's no way in the world, and I've seen some people question about the fourth and three. He did the right thing. You go out there, you try to draw them off sides, sure. and if you don't get it, you punt. You know, And I think to a bigger picture, and we'll talk about this maybe later on in the show, but very quickly, folks, a tie helped the Giants almost as much as a win. I've talked to the league about it today. I've had extensive conversation. They actually came out of this better off than a lot of people think. We'll deal with that later on, though. Yeah, no, I definitely want to get into that. Just one thing that I want to add to what we're talking about with the fourth and three, the killer play here was the third and three. Yes. Because if you execute on third and three, we're not talking about James it. and Barkley with the collision. Yeah, well, on Daniel Jones, I'll throw in there too. I mean, it looked like all three weren't on the same page with one another. I still haven't gotten the diagram on what that play was supposed to be. I've heard it communicated to me verbally, and the way I understood it, I'm not 100% sure. I'd like to see the X's and O's on it uh, vid- visually before I actually break it down. I did watch it back on the replay already, and it was clear. That, that James and Barkley should never have been in that in that collision at all. In fact, in my opinion, Barkley, I, if, if, I'm thinking, I'm guessing now, folks, again, this is not from the coaches, but I'm thinking that Barkley was supposed to go into the right flat. James was probably supposed to go around Daniel Jones and go into the left flat, which would have then given Jones an option to either run right towards Barkley or to go misdirection and flip a pass to Richie James on the left, taking whichever guy was open as his as his preferred target. That's probably what the play was, but I can't say for sure. Well, it looked like Jones was trying to communicate something to James prior to the play, and it never got through, and that's why, obviously, you had three guys all in the same vicinity. But I it's, just... it's rare that, that in that style of play, the receiver, because well, a lot of times it's a, it's a jet sweep, right? Yep. And a lot of times, if the receiver's going to do that, it's because the quarterback is flipping the ball to him. Well, I don't believe there was anything about that play that indicates the Giants were going to run. I think the only run might have been if Jones had decided to keep it because he didn't like what he saw, yep. he was going to be allowed to boot as an RPO. I don't think in any way that play was supposed to be a jet sweep, which means that James should not have been running in front of Daniel Jones. He should have been behind Daniel Jones. Which goes back to something that I think Jones wanted to communicate to James didn't get through, and that's why once again, again speculation. We don't know hundred percent. Well, of course, folks. we're, we're absolutely just, speculating. We're talking football logic here. That's well, all. the only thing that I can operate under is Daniel Jones was asked about this after the game, Paul, and he said it was a miscommunication. Right. He has to do a better job communicating, but specifically, he said Richie James. He did say that, so there was something there. That didn't add up. But we're trying we're trying to fill out the rest of the gap, and yeah. that's hypothetical. Well, the only reason why I'm bringing that up is, to me, I think the conversation should be more about the third and three than what you didn't do on fourth and three. And I think more is being I would concur with that. on fourth and three. The fourth and three is pointless to discuss. Sure. Well, once again, once Gano misses 58-yarder, okay, yes. and he's yeah. short, why are we talking about a 62-yarder? Yeah. Here's the other thing, though. Even if you say, keep him out on the field, go for it on fourth and three, okay? Let's operate with that hypothetical. Washington still has another timeout, and there is a minute 42 still left in overtime. Right. You're at the Washington 45. If you don't convert that, you're now giving the ball back <laughs> to the commanders in midfield with a timeout and plenty of time for them to then get in field goal. And in the better end zone for the field goal kick. Exactly. That's why they purposely chose that side exactly. in overtime. They, they knew. knew that. Yeah, absolutely. They knew. So all of these things go in the minds of players and coaches, but it's not necessarily front and center when we're watching the ebbs and flows of a game. Well, and in the post game, they're not going to spell everything out, A, yeah. B, C, and D for you. They're going to say, as Daniel Jones said, miscommunication, because that's what a quarterback does. That's what a leader does. Simply puts that umbrella, that general analysis of miscommunication. Not telling you exactly how the play broke down. One other thing I want to hit on in terms of game flow and management, because I know this was another talking point. Final drive of the first half, Paul, where Mm -hmm. the Giants got the field goal to make it 13-all. So you have a second and eight here at the Washington 18. There's 26 seconds left. Giants still have one timeout left. He hits Richie James for seven, short of the first down marker. So it's third and one. As a result, they had to stop the clock. 
So Brian Dable had to utilize a timeout here with 19 seconds left. Yes. And then they wound up running the ball. They do get the first down, but yes. at this point, all you have left is an opportunity to spike and then try to set up a field goal. Correct. And they got the three, of course, at that point. Sure, but I know a lot of people were questioning, or at least based on what I was hearing and reading with respect to conversations on and off of social media, is why perhaps maybe not look to throw on third and one to give yourself more of an opportunity to take a shot in the end zone. Okay, here's the thing. You settle for the three, you go into the locker room with a 13-13 tie, and you know Washington's getting the ball to start the third quarter. Yep. That's the sound logic behind what the Giants did. Now, if you want to go the alternate way, which, excuse me, I would not subscribe to, okay, it says to throw it. And you know what they always say about throwing the ball. Three things can happen, and two of them are bad, right? Yep. So what happens if you wind up trying to pass there, and you get burned with a holding penalty, you get burned with a sack, you get burned with a tip ball that gets intercepted? You, go, you come up with a goose egg, yep. and now you're going into the locker room, down 13-10, to 10, and Washington has the ball to start the third quarter, and you run the risk of being down two scores before you touch the ball again. Why would you put yourself in that position? Remember, this was not a high-scoring game to begin with. Exactly. Washington coming in was not a high-scoring team. We know the Giants situation. At that point, strategy-wise, hey, take the points, go into the locker room tied, and then it actually... Worked well because Washington fumbles the ball on its first possession thanks to Aziz Ojolari's strip sack. And the Giants shorten the field and they punch it in and they get the touchdown. But it circles back to how we started the show. After that touchdown, I'll use a boxing analogy. I know you like some of that, Paul. I love you boxing. You went 12 rounds with your opponent. Mm-hmm. You never landed the knockout punch. That, to me, is the best way to describe yesterday's It's game. true. That's true. That's a good way to do it. You know, I jab I, after jab after jab. I like jab. that. Okay. See? Well, I try. Now you got to start getting it. Italian food into your analysis, well, and then you. we'll be on the same but page. That's all you. I don't want to okay. enter your territory. You have carved I out appreciate that, that role. I leave that to you. I will jump into the. Can we get analogies. one quick sand of mediocrity in well, this show? Uh, once again, you can lay out the red carpet Thank treatment you. for that. I'm surprised uh, that we haven't gotten into that. All right. Few reminders here before we open up the phone lines as we move along here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We have the Giants Huddle podcast. Make sure you go. Subscribe to that podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst and then a game preview featuring a long form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit down with Bob Papa and head coach Brian Dable and an opponent preview of that week's opponent. Search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform or you could listen on the Giants app as well as Giants.com slash podcast. Also, Giants fans, don't miss the second legacy game. Well, that already wrapped up, so we can wipe that read off the list. See, we're doing some house cleaning as we operate here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So you can ignore that because we've already seen the legacy game play out against the Washington Commanders yesterday at MetLife Stadium. But one thing that has not expired, I can promise you, is Giants TV. That brings original video content your way as well as game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk's Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, let's open up the lines, 201-939-4513. We check in with James in Georgia. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. James, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? What's going on, guys? Hi. Uh, Good night. I called on I called on Friday, and I believe I talked about the difference in the game, and y'all hit on all the points. The difference was a catch and bad officiating. Uh, the tie is better than a loss. Um, before the game, the magic number was ten. Now with the tie, it's nine, and it could possibly be eight. For that seventh spot, um, but can't lose. You know, can't do any less than that. 
Well, the uh, game against Washington, the second go around, is still extremely important. That has not yeah, taken a back yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah. And once again, we have to see also how the NFC plays out. San Francisco 49ers just lost Jimmy Garoppolo. What happens with them? Seattle is going to get Carolina this weekend. They're very much still in the thick of things, and they beat the Giants, so they have the tiebreaker. There's a lot to be determined, but look, a tie is half a win and half a loss. You'd rather have that than have a flat-out loss. So it doesn't hurt you yep. nearly as much from that perspective. We need we need some we need some pass catchers because our, our number one man is second in the NFL in drops. And I mean, again, we we've, we've been pulling teams in the deep end, and you know we haven't been able to swim these last couple of weeks ourselves. So you know, just keep at it, keep chopping wood. Let's go, Giants! All right, James. Uh, try to beat the Eagles on Sunday. I think that's the goal. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for joining us here. As far as the standings, I know you were hinting at this earlier, if you wanted to make your point. Sure, we'll, we'll do it now. On top of what exactly I said. Well, I mean, I really don't have much to add other than what I just laid out. All right, here's what you have to understand. It's about the loss column more than it is anything else. Once you get involved in a tie, the loss column becomes the important column for the Giants. I don't agree with the caller that eight wins will get you in, but there's a real good chance that nine will, Okay. The Giants are almost a Sherlock, and I, I haven't confirmed this with the league, but I did talk to someone with the league this morning. If the Giants were to beat Washington and one other team, they are basically as close as you can get to being a sure to going in, okay? Because that would have them at 9-7-1, and worst-case scenario, if they get the two wins, okay? Here's the deal. Washington, we know the situation. The Giants and Washington, the winner of that game in two weeks— it's kind of a virtual play-in for that one wild-card spot. But here's where it gets tricky. Because of what has happened in the NFC West, Seattle right now is 7-5 and five and San Francisco is 8-4. and four. Okay? Giants own four losses. Remember, the loss column is the key here. Because of the fact that Washington plays San Francisco still and San Francisco also plays Seattle still. Yep. Two of the three teams the Giants are fighting for, because San Fran's now on a wild card hunt too. This is not just a division title that everybody thought that they were going to run away with. It's basically the Giants, Washington, Seattle, and San Francisco, four teams for three spots. That's what it comes down to. What about the Lions, though? They'd have to win out. Well, I'm just saying, mathematically, chance. and remember, they beat the Giants. I would not dismiss that. They'd them. have That's to all. win out to sure. have any A lot chance. of pressure on them, shot. but they're in it. I'm yeah. going with the percentages here about okay. what's realistic, Okay. So it's four teams for three spots. Because of the schedules of Washington, Seattle, and San Francisco, a minimum of two of those teams are guaranteed, unless there's a tie, to have a minimum of six losses. The Giants right now only have four losses. It gives them some breathing room. Okay? It gives them a little breathing room. That's why this tie yesterday significantly hurt their chances if you even thought they were going to try to catch Philly or Dallas. That was very painful in that scenario. But that's not what it's about for the Giants. As John has always said, it's about improvement. It's about getting the team better. I've always said, hey, if you got a chance to go for the playoffs, you go for the playoffs because I think there's more value there. And if you want the Giants' playoff scenario, their playoff scenario improved yesterday because of the possibilities that include the teams in the NFC West. The Giants are better if Seattle wins that division, okay? Because Seattle owns the tiebreaker Correct. over you the Giants. Correct, you want to knock that team out. You'd actually yeah. rather have Seattle win the division. Now, they already have five losses. So if they don't win the division, they're already, as of today, a loss behind you. Well, Paul, that head-to-head tiebreaker with okay. Seattle doesn't matter anymore, though, because they don't have a tie. So you're okay. never going to go to that head-to-head tiebreaker with Seattle. Unless, Unless, of course, they get column. a tie. Right, which is yeah. very unlikely. Sure. That's yes. why I yeah. said to you, it's mm-hmm. the loss column that matters. No, not, Seattle, not, that, that's not true. Totally true. Seattle has five losses. The Giants have four. No, but if Seattle and the Giants finish with the same amount of losses, Seattle will get in because they have one more win. They only will if they tie. Right. Seattle has to come up with a tie. If they don't come up with a tie, the Giants and Seattle cannot have the same amount of losses. They can't. It's impossible. No, you can still have the same amount of losses. Well, they can if Seattle they wins. If, yeah, they what can. If, if Seattle wins. The Giants can be 10-6-1 and, and Seattle can be 10-7. and seven. Oh, Right? Yeah, but see, if that happens, for Seattle to do that, that means San Fran or Washington because they all play each other. 
the mix is going to be such that some one of these teams is no, going to fall out. My point to you is that if the, the reason the win column is more important is because if two teams finish with the same amount of losses, the Giants are out. Oh, yes, yes. So isn't the win column what matters? No, because the, whatever team has more wins is the team the that gets in? The loss column is what matters if you're the team that's in front. If you're the teams that's in front, see, remember, when they talk about magic numbers, they always assume when they talk magic numbers that how much does the team have to win to lock out the other team? And the way they calculate that is saying you lose out, right? Right, of course. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, here's the thing. The Giants only have four losses right now, okay? So technically, even though Seattle is 7-5 and and they would own the tiebreaker if they finish in a tie— as long as the Giants match Seattle's one-loss record the rest of the way, it doesn't matter. Seattle can't tie them because the Giants have one less loss. See, it comes down to this. Make it, I'm going to make it really simple. And by the way, we're on video. This is Schmoke, by the way. I'm yeah. over here. There Hi. he is. <laughs> Rather than get into all the specific permutations, as the guy with the league told me this morning, he goes, make it really simple for all your listeners if you want to discuss it with them. It's really simple. Giants... Beat Washington and another team. That's the easiest way to get in. That's the easiest way to get in. That'll give you nine wins. You will have the tiebreaker over Washington. It's almost assured that you'll get in. Okay? The second best way, in fact, it's the lock way. Finish with fewer losses than the second place team in the West. You're in. That's it. Yeah, right. I mean, but the bottom line is there's still not an overwhelming amount of wiggle room, I guess, well, is what there, I'm getting. They about, still need to take care of business. Oh, without question. Is the, is the main point. Without here. question. But the, yeah. the, the, the issue was when, 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 like, I got home yesterday and family asked me, how should I feel about this? And I said, well, I still feel like they helped themselves today. This isn't terrible. This is actually pretty good. I was told this morning it's better than pretty good. Because the Giants did not significantly hurt their playoff hopes yesterday. Washington got hurt worse because they already have five losses. The Giants only have four right now. To to me, Lance, real quick, the bottom line, the team that wins Washington and Giants in two weeks, I think that's the team that, I mean, you you don't know what Seattle's going to do and and the Niners, but. Oh, no, you don't know. You don't know. It, it, there's still the, a scoreboard watching involved If the here. Giants lose to Washington in two weeks, throw everything out, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's going to fluctuate. No, because Seattle, here. San Francisco plays Tampa, Seattle, and Washington in the next three weeks, which means no, but my, my two point, of those teams have to lose. No, but I understand, Paul, but if you lose to Washington in two weeks, let's just say the Giants lose to Philly, okay? If you lose to Washington in two weeks, right. you're basically two games behind them in the standings. You need to make up two games it's in three weeks. not about the Giants and Washington. In some ways, it is. They're no, both involved in a playoff. It's punt. not. But it's here's the thing. Here's what people are misunderstanding emotionally, and I get it. It's not about will the Giants or Washington get in. It's a there's a real chance that the Giants fight for the third wild card could be against San Francisco or Seattle. Sure, that's possible. They may not be fighting Washington. I understand, but that game. But if you look at all the games on the Giants' schedule the rest of the way, the most important one is the Washington game, and it's not close. Nobody's disputing that. Nobody's disputing that at all. Okay, that's all Lance and I are saying. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. The point is that the tie with the way things broke out yesterday, the Giants still have many possibilities on how to get in. And it's they can win out, and then they don't have to worry about anything. It's not as devastating as people think. The tie is actually the tie is actually much closer to being valued as a win than it is a loss. See, the way that I look at yesterday's game is they canceled each other out. The Giants and the Washington. It's almost like a throwaway game because we still now set things up for two weeks from now when they got to play again. And we're assuming it's not going to be tied under those circumstances. When was the last time two teams played to a tie? So that's the way that I look at it. In theory, the way it's now breaking out because of this tie is you've got an even better chance that the Giants and Washington both make it. It's possible. There's even a real chance now that only one of Seattle and San Fran makes it. And quite frankly, that's why this tie doesn't bother me that much. Because I could give two hoots, but two horses. No, I don't think it should bother anybody. About what happens to Washington. I don't care. Whether they make it or not, I don't care. Well, the Giants don't. And the Giants don't care either. They still control their fate. Totally. As long as you control your fate, you're fine. But all I'm saying is, is that I would not pencil in, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but just because Jimmy Garoppolo's out of the equation doesn't mean the Niners are going to fall off a cliff. They beat the Dolphins yesterday, even though yes. Brock Purdy played the majority of that game, and they've got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball and offense, so let's not just assume that the Niners are now all of a sudden going to fade away into the sunset here. That's all. 
I just think that may be the mindset that a lot of people are just assuming. I think you can certainly look at the Niners and say they're not necessarily going to be granted the division championship. No, as not I, at all. I'll be honest they with you. They weren't going to be granted if Jimmy was under center, with Jimmy, too, with, I would argue. With Jimmy G, I thought they were on their way to being the number two seed in the conference. But that's not going to happen now. Oh, clearly. And it's unfortunate for him because he was having a good season and he just continues to get struck by the injury bug. But... Time will tell how that plays out. All right, let's head back to the Lions. We got Donnie in Queens joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Donnie? Welcome aboard. Hey, guys. Thanks for the call. Um, well, you, you made the call. We didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for taking my Sure. Actually, the meeting yesterday was, a, was actually a, that was a really tough one for the Giants uh, for other results. Keeping them at seven, Seattle at seven, the Giants and Redskins both at seven. That would have really made Paul's situation really feasible for, for both the Giants and the Redskins. But in terms of the game and, and the team here, um, I think they need to start using Brita a little bit more. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to the eye that Saquon is maybe dealing with something uh, that you know, they're not disclosing or you know, perhaps he's just physically worn down. I, I believe he's already had more carries than he's, than he's had in his career. Um, and you just not seeing that pop out of him. And, you know, they're a running team, right? The Giants, are, that's what they're doing. They're trying to run first, set their pass up, you know, play these games conservatively. And, you know, I, mean, I don't know, if Paul, or you guys think, um, you know, that that's an option for them. I feel like Brita's got some fresh legs. They could use him a little bit more. Uh, and then one real quick thing, and then I'll, I'll hang up. They got The Giants have a problem with this stadium. I mean, the, 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 I was at the game yesterday. I have tickets in Section 103. The crowd is dead for like 90% of these games, uh, and, and they're not selling these games out. And for a team that's having their best season in a long time, it's really concerning that these ads are being run. You know, you guys are running about tickets, and, you know, you could – I looked at StubHub. You could have gotten the door yesterday for $60 right before kickoff. So shame on the Giant fans. They should have showed up in better for us yesterday. I'll look to your uh, takeoff defense. All right, well, appreciate the phone call. As far as Barkley's carries, he's at 242. His high is 261 in 2018. So clearly he's on pace to surpass 2018. More touches, though, in the receiving game as a rookie. Correct, exactly. But I'm just looking at it from a carry standpoint because the point was more about the running game. Could they use Breida more? Sure. I mean, they could use Breida maybe more here. There. Gary Brightwell didn't get any opportunities either yesterday. You could argue that. But I don't think they're going to get to the extreme where they're going to sacrifice Barkley touches just to say that they're getting Breida involved a little bit more. That scenario I don't see playing out. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. However, I would say that there have to be other times. And, and John and I were at camp here every day during practice. I did think that there was going to, we were going to see a lot more of Barkley in the passing game downfield. And I also thought we would sort of see more of Breida and Barkley in the same backfield on occasion. We saw them doing that in August. And then we saw all of a sudden, oh, all of a sudden, one of those backs runs out into the into becoming a receiver formation. And and Breida's out on the boundary. Or Breida's in the slot. And he's going out as a receiver. Look what the way the Giants wide receiver room is. I'm a little surprised that they haven't done that. Breida's got the speed and he's got the hands. You know, they did it in training camp. Haven't really seen it during the season. So, yes, do I think Breeders should be getting some touches? I do. Not necessarily at Barkley's expense, though. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. Plus, you could also argue they used Daniel Jones more yesterday. He had 12 runs, and that was something that had not been brought to the forefront over the last few games. So, to me, well, that was a positive. brace and the wrap-off. Yeah, but the reason why I think it's more important to highlight DJ's runs because there was a noticeable jump in terms of five-yard runs yesterday as well as 10-yard runs. They had 13 runs for five yards or more and four for 10 yards or more, including they had 21-yard runs, one from DJ and the other one from Barkley. So I thought they took a step in the right direction in comparison to the production against the Lions and the Cowboys, but there still wasn't necessarily, I would argue, that game-changing, back-breaking run that we've seen more often than not that changes field position and just all of a sudden wears down the opposition. That was still missing from yesterday's game. What was the final total? Barkley, 18? Yeah. 18, yeah. For yeah. 63. 18. You know, when Barkley has those bigger games, he's usually in the 20s. Second half and overtime, you know? seven rushes for three yards. Well, yeah. and the offense overall did Barkley. nothing on those final seven possessions. Nothing. Yeah. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know, uh, teams are stacking eight guys, and they're they're like a magnet to him. I mean, we talked about this. I think I think it was 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 with you, John. All, all three. We yeah. used to, we Friday. yeah on Friday on Friday. Friday show yeah. we talked about it. Defenses are like a magnet. They really overplay him when they see him go, which is which is why I think on that play you talked about the third down play. That's why they wanted James and Barkley to cross. Because I think Barkley was going to go over to the right side of the offense, draw the attention of the defense, and that was going to leave Jones with an RPO option with Richie James as the potential target. I think that was probably the play. Well, the bottom line is it's no secret. Teams are basically trying to get the Giants to win a little bit more through the air based on what Barkley and Jones have done yeah. on the ground. And so, when the team has 32 drops on the season, is it any wonder? Yeah, and that, to me, is the bigger change. I don't think it has necessarily anything to do with Saquon's physically worn down. Is he healthy? I mean, granted, we know he's dealing with the shoulder injury. He's not hiding that. But do I think that's why the production has dropped off? No. To me, it's more of teams are eyeing him and saying, if you want to beat us, you're going to have to do it through the air a little bit more. That's what we've seen. Let's head back to the lines. Abdul is in Minneapolis joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Abdul? Hey, guys. What's up? So, I'm going to start positive. The defense played really well yesterday. Uh, Washington scored 10 points right away and then basically scored 10 points the rest of the game. Um, if you look at how the uh, defensive backs uh, played against a really good um, a Washington receiver core, I think they held it as best as they could. You know, um, I think that's because of uh, – Wings calls and the defense played great, and it's great to finally see a pass rush come hit home yesterday. You know that was they played well enough to win. That's the good part. <laughs> um, now um, I'm going to the offense. The offense, you know, I'm not going to talk about each, um, specific plays in general, but I remember beginning of the year we were excited about the creativity about this new offense and, you know, and just different formations and motions and stuff. And you guys just kind of hit on that about, you know, we thought we'd see Breida more, you know, um, involved in split backfield and Saquon being more involved in the offensive uh, passing game because the Giants are not good enough to impose their will on people, right? You know, everyone knows now that we're going to run the ball and we're not good enough just to impose our will on people. So we need to scheme our way. And, and I, I think this game, it's probably the first game that I think the scheming wasn't up to par. You know, we, we lacked some creativity, and we were, we kept doing um, play action. We're known as body on play action. We could have just done straight drop back because the, the, the straight drop back pass did work, you know. Um, so I'm a little, um, I, I want Kafka and Dable to get back to their promise about being a little more creative with their offense because um, we're not going to win because of talent. We, we'll, we'll win because of scheming. And I think they got away from that. I think they need to, if, if they want to uh, score points, they're going to need to do that. Um, two more things. Uh, I think a huge missed call was the offensive pass interference that could have stopped the interception. And what they called it, it would have been a fourth and 14, instead of a fourth and four. That's that missed call, you know, the guy was grabbed. Um, you, you guys remember, remember that play? Well, are you talking about when Washington had the ball or the Giants had the ball? No, sorry. The Giants had the ball. Sorry. Washington had the ball, and uh, it was a pass, and the receiver grabbed the cornerback and threw him down, right? And then they call it an opposite pass interference. And I think that became – then the next, play, the next play was a 4th and 4. If they called the OPI, it would have been a 4th and 14. It could have changed the game. And it was a blatant opposite. You're talking about the 3rd and 4 from the 27 incomplete to Dotson, right? Yes. And Dotson grabbed whoever the quarterback cornerback was and just threw him to the ground. And it was a, it was a blatant offensive Look, I, 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 I'm going to stand by my statement. There was ragged officiating yep. all day. I'm sure both teams could review the tape, and they will probably both have a very long yep. list of things to tell the I NFL agree. this morning. I agree. Okay? I agree. Um, I agree. It's just a shame that 
on the final selection of plays there when the Giants are trying to make the winning field goal that they had to compound it by making several errors in a row. That is a shame. Um, but anyway. Well, I mean, the other is. thing, though, is, Abdul, you then have the fourth and four where Samuel gets a 20-yard gain. You then have another Samuel play for 25 yards and then the missed tackle on Dotson. So I would argue there were three plays after that that you could have stopped sure. them and gotten them off the field. Exactly. And by the way, they might have declined. They might have declined an offensive pass in the interference penalty there anyway to make it fourth and four instead they of a third and 14. Down. They it's might possible. Have. Sure. It's possible. They might have. Yeah. They might have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to hang this on the refs. It's, it's not worth doing that. And my last point is um, something I saw online this morning. It made a lot of sense. People who want to get rid of Daniel Jones and sign a new quarterback, a rookie, have to realize they're going to then waste Aziz Ozolari. Like all these all these rookies, all these younger core players who are now on the Giants, you're going to waste their core years. And no one, no one brings that up. I, I, that, that hit me this morning. Like, that's why you don't. The Giants would be the worst thing if they if they they draft a young quarterback and waste the core group's uh, rookie contract years. Right? I think that that's no 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 really brings that up. All right, all so right, well, appreciate the call. Thanks for giving us a ring here. So, by the way, a record, now the one millionth consecutive Giants offensive coordinator that is not creative enough. We've set a new record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be ongoing debate and conversation forever. I want to go back to the last uh, drive he just talked about by Washington. Okay, remember, after Leonard Williams gets hurt, he, he had a stinger at his ankle. Yep. Or his, his neck. His yep. neck, and, and didn't play the, most of the second half. On the final selection of plays in the fourth quarter and at overtime, the Giants only had four starters on the field. It's amazing what Wink Martindale has to put out there. He's got Thibodeau, he's got Lawrence, he's got Old Jolari, and he's got Love. He's got four of his regular guys that he's counting on on the field as he's trying to hold on to a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter. And also, by the way, Washington had two possessions in overtime. You don't count Moreau? And, and they didn't score. I don't count Moreau as a because he came in late, he was not opening. I mean, day. well, not at the start of the year, but he's been their starter for yeah. ten weeks. Doesn't matter. Okay. That's not. That's. I'm talking about when they went into the season opening day, guys that they expected, four guys regular starters. He had Zimenez on the field, who was a rotational player. He had Jefferson on the field, who was barely played this year. He just came off IR. Okay. Yeah. He had Moreau on the field, who has played a lot, but wasn't with the team opening day. Flat was on the field. McLeod was on the field. Gilbert was on the field, and Pinnock was on the field. Now think about this. As of opening day of September, Jefferson did not have a job. Moreau did not have a job. McLeod did not have a job. Pinnock did not have a job. Think about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've gone deep into the depth chart. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Deep? Deep? Yeah. They've dug from here to China well, no, but, but Paul, on this defense. But he, here is my point. To to say well, you can't keep pointing to injuries as an excuse because no, there's a reason though. No, no, but but here's why I would counter that against the Green Bay Packers in London. Did we not commend those defensive backs for stepping up and getting? They weren't down to having four starters on no, the field. They, they probably had about but they six were or seven. Utilizing Nick McLeod no, and guys that barely that. had opportunities. Though. I understand. The that. point is, you, it can't go both ways. I don't. I've never seen. I've never seen it like that. Game-winning situation, they had four opening day regular season starters still on the field. You can't, you can't dispute that. You can't. I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is, is that you, we can't commend guys for stepping up in certain games and then use it as an excuse as to why they didn't get oh, the job no, done I'm, in other I, games. I, I'm That's not, my point. I'm not excusing it. I'm saying that the number was so overwhelming sure. that no matter what Wink did, it wasn't going to be enough. I mean, clearly, you're not it's relying on your top guys. That, unfortunately, has been a big part of the storyline for the Giants. But at the same time, we've been talking about guys stepping up over the course of the year. Remember, when Joe Shane had his mid-year press conference, one of the things, if you recall, that he highlighted was that the Giants led the league right. in the amount of guys that were not here for the first month of the season yeah. and were contributing. And, and that's why, to be frank with you, I think it's, it is commendable for them to wind up getting this tie. Because, trust me, there are a lot of people in that building who thought after Washington tied the game and then the, the, it actually went to overtime who thought, uh-oh. Momentum uh, shifting, yeah. There's no way the Giants are coming out of here with a win. Look at what they're putting on the field. They got four regular season opening day starters on defense and they've got to go to overtime? There's no way they're going to win this game. They're going to give up the score right away and they're done. 
But they did hold out on two possessions. They they held Washington scoreless on two possessions. I give them credit for that. And Thibodeau made a big play in terms of getting the sack. At the one-yard line. Yeah, because, you know, that takes away another opportunity for Washington. I think if he had been in the league a little bit longer and had had more moves and more veteran savvy, he might have gone for the strip there instead of just the sack. OC, OC would have had the strip. You and I both know that. Well, I mean, you're comparing him to one of the greats in Giants history, Paul. So I'm still impressed he held on to it. Heineke got yeah. blasted. I'm surprised he held on Blown to the thing. Blown up, John. Yeah, Blown and, up. And Washington had a bad miscue at the worst possible time because they clearly left him completely unblocked. And For Heineke some even, reason. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what their play was that they called, but their entire line was yep. angled to the right. And old Jolari, uh, no, uh, Thibodeau, Thibodeau yeah. had a clean path, and he was shot out of a cannon. Well, because Charles Leno was there, his left tackle. But, and he just— Well, Heineke <laughs> said they did not sense the blitz, and he called for the wrong protection, and that's what You happened. know what boggles my mind about that play, though? I get his excuse, but at the same time, Thibodeau lines up right over your left tackle, right? That's Leno. That was not a tight end. Sure. It was not an extra yeah. lineman, right? a, a jumbo six no, lineman. No, it was your top guy. That's your, yeah. that's your left tackle. I find it hard to believe that Washington would have called a play deep in their own territory in that situation that says we're going to do everything to the right and we're going to leave Thibodeau totally unblocked. Now, I, that I, does not seem like a smart play to me. I didn't go through all the plays. There were a few plays, Paul, what the Giants did in this game a lot. They would line up four or five rushers to the right or left side of the Washington line, have them slide to protection in that so way, a trend. and then yeah. they would get one-on-one. Ojolari had a play where he got one-on-one with the tight end. Thibodeau had another play when he was one-on-one with the tight end. That's what they were doing. They were showing blitz on the left to set up one-on-one matchups on the right or on the other side. And I think, now, you never want to leave a guy unblocked like Thibodeau. He was totally unaccounted for. 100%. And that's... There is, there is no protection that should have him unaccounted for. Agree. Right? But that's one thing. I think they must have spotted something during the week because they were oh, trying sure. to mess with their protections with those types of things for most of the game. Yeah, and that's why Heineke admitted after the game he did not sense that this would have been a little bit of a curveball based on that alignment, and that's at, what called At the guard. very least, there should have been a back over there to, to, to do something. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't not— Well, in hindsight, I guarantee no, you Ron hindsight. Rivera and Going company into that are having play, that conversation. You can't leave Kayvon Thibodeau totally unaccounted for. That's just dumb. Yeah. Well, hey, the Giants were able to capitalize, now, and that's the big thing. The quarterback could also be covering for his left tackle. Yeah. The quarterback publicly oh. probably, <laughs> you're going to lay out your left tackle, not the guy you want mad at no, you, your left tackle. That's a really good point, John. <laughs> no, it's possible that's a that really good Charles point. Leno had a missed assignment, and he's just making him look a little bit better. Really good point. That goes back to what I what said happened. before about generalities in the explanation. Yeah. Oh, there, there was just a miss, no, listen, miscommunication. Unless you're in the film room going it over with the offense of the coaching staff, we'll never know who's at fault under those circumstances. Let's head back to the lines. John is in Cape Cod joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, John? Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking the call. It's nice to see the video and see the faces that go with the voices. I got to tell you, the caller that talked about the crowd was right on the money. Uh, you know, I went to Giant Games at the Family Box from the age of 12 to the age of 46. And I've never seen a crowd as dead as yesterday. And I haven't been to a game since... 91. So clearly the fan has changed somehow. Uh, it was very, that was very disappointing. You know, when, when push came to shove, the Giants just had a lot of missed tackles yesterday, and it finally showed up the, the, the lack of corners. And, you know, you, you talk about replacement players. Yeah, there are players and there are players. But it looked to me, I was watching the game on national TV, they picked on Zion, I, I think it's Gilbert, yeah, all yeah. afternoon long. And the, the tipping point in that game was when they let the quarterback throw for that completion on fourth. And well, they didn't whatever. let him. He made a great play what, in fairness, John. What, yeah, You're talking about Heineke? Was, I mean, that was on the run off his back foot yeah. with momentum going away from the ball. And I mean, remember, you got to tip your cap does. to the opponent. <laughs> he know? runs I'm horizontally not... to throw. This yep. was a typical Heineke play. That's that's his that's yeah, his mo. I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing that, but take a look at the separation that the receiver had on that play. It was a great play, no doubt about it. But he was running away from the giant backs. He was running away from Gilbert. Up, yeah, yeah. And they picked on they picked on him 
all afternoon. What I noticed about Heineke, Actually, he's a terrific player, but when the pressure gets on him, he makes a lot of bad throws. And if you don't believe me, watch what's going to happen. I'll predict it right now when they play the 49ers, if the 49ers stay healthy defensively. They're going to crush Washington. All right. All right. It's possible. I mean, appreciate the phone call. Let, let me well, correct myself. I got my notes here. It was Flott and Pennock who were in zone coverage on yeah. uh, on that play on the fourth down completion. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't Gilbert. It was Gilbert who later got burned on the next three passes. There was there was a zero uh, to Dotson on a screen, and then Samuel and Dotson with completions. And and on all of those three passes, the ensuing three passes after the fourth down, they went after Gilbert. I thought it was Gilbert on Samuel on that play when I watched it earlier today. Uh, I I well again, I can double check it. I thought it was Gilbert. I'm going off my notes from the sideline. Got it. From the sideline, I had I had Flott and Pinnock trying to converge. Um, I have to go back and look at the video. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall. But from the, the sideline, that's what yeah. I had. But here's the thing. Zion Gilbert, again, this goes to how deep they had to go. This isn't just a guy stepping up. This is a guy who played five years at Florida Atlantic. Okay? Five years at Florida Atlantic. He's on the practice squad. And all of a sudden, on three days' notice, based on what practice uh, was doing during the course of the week, He's now starting and playing in one of the most important games of the season. You know, he made a bunch of tackles. He made some hits and everything else. But was this guy in 25 feet of water without a paddle? Yeah, he was. That's a legit reason. And you know what? Washington, as dumb as they were to lead Thibodeau uncovered on that pass rush, they were smart enough to go after Gilbert. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Well, and Curtis Samuel had a relatively quiet game until that last drive, if you go back and look. He wasn't damaging the Giants. So clearly they started to change their philosophy. I mean, look, we all know that backups are not as good as starters. And yes, you talk about guys who step up and play above the X's and the O's and guys who will do what they can to help make the team function. But when you go down this far and you're pulling rookie practice squad guys who played at Florida Atlantic off the team, off the, uh, the, the practice squad... I don't, I'm not going to disrespect or disparage him. He did the best he could. And and you know what? Who knows? Maybe he'll wind up having a 10-year career in this league. God bless him if he does. You know? But on these particular plays, yeah, it was it was hard luck for him because that's what happens to rookies, especially rookies coming off the practice squad making a huge jump to the NFL. They're going to get burned because they're in too deep a water. It's just part of the process. Let's head back to the lines. Angelo is in Dallas, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Angelo? Hey, nothing much, fellas. Um, so a couple things just out of, out of frustration, obviously, as everyone probably is. And I do agree that that rookie was out on the island. Um, did anybody know, look at the, that drive sheet to see if there was any zone coverages called? And not that that would have been the answer to the problem, but it might have been a different uh, possible solution to that. There were times, I believe, that they were on the field and not calling a timeout. But during that drive, I also believe that there was a missed call, a missed uh, catch which gave opportunity for a sub or something like that and or to for Wink to call a, a zone play. So since we're talking about that subject just now, I was wondering if y'all noticed that. Because to your point, Paul, yes, he's a rookie. But at some point, we understand that Wink likes one-man coverage. We ran man from what my naked eye showed every play of that, of that drive when they came down there. And it just exacerbated the problem because we had so many opportunities on offense to avoid the defense being in that problem. You know, full right. transparency, like I said, I was reading this off the notes that I took. I'm on the sideline usually the last six or seven minutes of the fourth quarter at home games. I have to head down from the box during a break to get down there to do post-game stuff. So I'm looking from the sideline, and that's not always the best uh, vantage point, as you can speak to, Lance. You're up in the box. You can see things sometimes better than I can, and I can also see some things on the field better. So what I do need to do, I need to see the all twenty-two. John, have you looked at the all twenty-two on that fourth down play yet? On the rollout, it's not, it's not just that fourth down play because yeah. to y'all's point, he Tiny made a good play. They had plenty of time, and the bad part about it, they came back to that same route combination. I think two or three plays later, with Samuel coming across the field like that in yeah. the slot where that rookie had to get him on man coverage again, and again there was no adjustment. So that's that was one part of the frustration. Well, to Another answer thing, your I'm, question, though, I mean, keep in mind that is Wink's mo. If you go back to the Dallas game, they were undermanned against the Cowboys, and they stuck to some man-on-man coverage in that situation. 
So understandable, and that's that, that's part of the frustration of the wink, the good and the bad. And it's just uh, you you would think and hope and all these things that that given the accolades of being one of the best defensive coordinators out there, that adjustments can be made. Regardless of your mo, adjustments can be made. But again, that was just compounding of the other instances of inefficiencies of opportunities not taken. I did and like I know the five sacks and the ten quarterback hits, though. Oh, for sure. Believe <laughs> that me. was you, pretty you, good. You, you, yeah, you believe me. You, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's a good and bad. That's just part of the frustration, not that that was a cause of a, of a loss. Sure. The other part, I think the main cause of the crux of it was the offense. And I know people talk about creativity, but I understand it's hard to be creativity when you have Bellinger go off the game, when Dale could hurt. You have uh, throughout the season or here recently, you have people interchanging on the offensive linemen. So it's hard to be creative and then do those same plays over and over to be good at them. But at some point, you have your, your, your bell cow plays and you have to do them and execute them. So that was part of the frustration, too. They have six opportunities. It's like when I noticed we couldn't get a field goal or anything, it's like, are you kidding me? We're going to lose this game. And that was the most frustrating part of it. And not only that, I'm tired of Lorenzo getting blown up. Well, you also, with respect to creativity, and appreciate the phone call, Angelo, you have to take into consideration, there was a play, Paul, yesterday where Barkley, if you remember this happened in a previous game earlier this season, he gets a handoff, he runs one way and then tries to reverse oh, the field, and then they wound up losing yardage on that. I know. You know, so if you run a play He's like that. He's made good plays out of those has, things but, before, But that though, could so also backfire on you. So it my, can. My point is, and it's not to you, it's when we get call after call about creativity, creativity, creativity. Sometimes you put yourself in a position like this, and Barkley can't put on the cape and save the day, and you wind up actually hurting yourself more so than you're helping yourself. So you got to walk that fine line, especially when you're playing a lot of close games and you're not putting up points. Sometimes it's better to be a little bit conservative is what I'm getting at. So you play the game of field position as opposed to giving a golden opportunity to the opponent. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. It's going to be very hard for me to criticize the play selection uh, off of yesterday's game when for how many months now, especially as the team got off to the 7-1 and one start, when we gave them so much praise. You know, you're not going to agree with every play call that every coordinator makes every single week. Sometimes you're just going to disagree, and sometimes you're going to disagree, but you're wrong because they knew more than you did, and they made the right call, and it just didn't work. Sure. Uh, so, to be frank with you, I think you have to look at the whole body of work. And through this point, at 7-4-1, and one, I've got nothing but praise for this coaching staff. Now, are there isolated plays every once in a while that did not work or that you can say going in you probably would have played it differently? I mean, what else is new? That's just being human. It's okay. Let's head back to the lines. Wilson is in Roxbury joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Wilson? Hey, guys, how are you doing? Uh, happy holidays to you guys. You too. Same hey, to you. listen, I, I, I've called you guys a few times, right? Um, and I said uh, that Joe Shane kind of robbed us of a, of a, a good season. We were 6-2. We were I hope that all the third-round picks and the fourth-round picks and the second-round picks that he wanted to keep uh, do any good next year because he completely uh, – everything, all this stuff, I am so disappointed in that guy. Because everything, everything that he did, did he, every, nothing that he did, is showing up now on the Giants. I mean, uh, the, the, I mean, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. I don't care. You cannot throw in guys off the street and starting and, and starting receivers. Darius, Darius Slayton is a good receiver. He's a number three at best. And Daniel Jones. For all, he gets bashed. You see, do you see? You see uh, the Washington receivers, right? They make plays left and right. They do above the numbers. The Giants don't make any of those plays. And on top of that, well, in fairness, though, Dotson is a rookie. Okay, Curtis Samuel is a jack of all trades player. I wouldn't even classify him as a true wide receiver. They use him as a running back. So Terry McLaurin is their real true number one guy. And let Slayton made two plays above these X's O's in consecutive weeks on contested catches. What are you talking about? In three of the last four games, he's had a catch for forty-four yards or more. So my question is, Woodrow, but who who's the savior that was out there? That is not on this team right now. It's not, it's not even so much about the savior. I mean, you see all the other teams, right? There's usually maybe three or four plays in the game, right, that the guys are wide open. The Giants never get anybody. Daniel Jones have to, like, basically look through, like, a loophole to throw the football. But besides that, listen, I'm, at the, I'm disappointed also in Brian Debo, and i tell you why. And i tell you why. All right, when you're going to coach in New York, right, and you're going to think about the last game, the last play, the last fourth down that Daniel Jones kind of threw behind Saquon Barkley, and you're going to have 
that play impacts how you coach uh, 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 yesterday's game. You don't. Believe, I mean, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear him being uh, the best. The best. Uh, the, the, uh, what is it? Uh, the head coach of the year. Okay, I lost a lot of respect for Brian Dable too. If you're going to coach scare, don't coach, man. Coach I mean, scared in terms I, I, of the fourth guys, and three. Are we referring to the fourth and three in overtime? Is that what you're I'm referring talking, to? I'm talking about, no, the fourth and three in overtime, playing for a field goal at, at the end of the game. I mean, what are we doing? So what would you what want, we, just out of curiosity, doing? what did you want them to do on the fourth and three then? Paul, Paul. It's Lance, Listen, but it's okay. And three, I've been called it, worse. Let me add something. Let me add something. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Lance. I don't I'm think sorry, so. It's okay. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, ask me, tell me, ask, answer me the truth, okay? When he punted the ball, myself, my buddies, every Giant fans thought, you know what? Washington's going to go down the field and they're going to lose the game. But that didn't and, happen, though. In fairness, that didn't, didn't happen. happen because, it didn't happen because Thibodeau sacked him and then everything got out of whack. So wait, okay? I, I don't understand. You're annoyed, but you're not looking at the results. First of all, they also pinned them back to the Washington 10, their own 10-yard line I, after I, that I, punt. I, I'm just saying you lost two. You lost two in a row. You at home. Listen, nobody was going to blame him if 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 they didn't make if they didn't make fourth and down. There's Wait, hold on a minute. Hold him. on a minute. Fourth and three. They go for it. I went over this scenario with Paul. They go for it. Okay. They turn it over mm-hmm. on downs. They give Washington the ball with a timeout and a minute forty-two to go. And Washington kicks a game-winning field goal with Sly. You're going to tell me people would not be irate over how that played out? The, the, Is that what you're arguing right now? They wouldn't be as outraged as, as we are right you now. You are living on planted. another planet, my friend. Seriously. Okay, this is insane. Seriously. I mean, we, we just we appreciate we the just, phone call, but I, I don't know if I can listen through, to more. What, 10 minutes earlier in this program to tell you what good a shape realistically the Giants are in of making the playoffs because of this tie. Had they lost yesterday, this would have been a completely different scenario. And you would not be telling me that Brian Dayball was smart and brave going for that. No, you would not be telling me that. You would be telling me the Giants lost. They're not going to make the playoffs. The season is a disaster. They've completely collapsed. And you would not have been praising Brian Dayball for being brave. Please, my friend, go look in the mirror, clean it off, and make sure that you can see it correctly. Then call us back. And as far as the point about wide receivers wide open, I mean, clearly, yes, I'm sure if we tallied up situations over the course of the NFL, you're going to have that. But what jumped out to me about Washington, which maybe separated them from the Giants, and Darius Slayton had an opportunity to make that catch over the middle late in the game, but Dotson made a play above the X's and O's. He gets the catch. He spins. So he did Heineke on the fourth down. Correct. So, you know, those That was are an incredible things. play he made. Yeah, if you want to argue the Giants need more of that, I would agree. No disagreement. Of course the Giants need more of that. They do. But... As far as Washington guys running wide open and just jogging into the end zone, I mean, you got to give those guys credit. Terry McLaurin and Dotson made plays after the catch. The missed tackles. (laughs) Sure, but part of that did not help. Part of that was what McLaurin and Dotson did, is what I'm saying, to help further get into the end zone. Even 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 McLeod had a second opportunity. Oh, the you mean the the chicken wing tackle attempt? I mean, John, it was not great. John, you got to do better than that, right? Well, right. The defensive let's, let's back be, certainly contributed. All right, but. Let, let, let's be fair. All right, let's be fair. I know those receivers are what they are, but the Giants' defensive backs on those two touchdown catch and runs did not do fundamentally the things they had to do to try to stop them. They just didn't do it. Well, and that's why he came back to bite them. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that from that standpoint. All right, that is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, the video worked. It did work. Well, at least one show's in the books. We'll see whether or not the technology will cooperate moving forward. A reminder that today's no episode faith, Lance. of no BBKL is wow. just stating the obvious, basically, which is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Did, did, did we mention the yeah. Giants-Washington game? Did we tell everybody? No, that I game was just, just going to Sunday get to that. Night football. There you go. So it's not moving to Saturday. It was supposed to be one of the five games that was Under optional for the triple header on NFL Network on Saturday the 16th. Instead, while we were doing this show, the NFL made the announcement, and the Giants have also put it up on their Twitter, that they will be playing Sunday night football on the 17th. John? Allow me to hide my excitement. Oh, yeah. my. That's going to be a fun train ride home. Oh, my. I, and, I, and I just posted about well, that we, field. That's a, that's a regular grass field. I, I, you know me, John. I love yeah. field conditions. 
that grass field at this time of the year is not a fun field. So what do you think? We'll be rolling back into Penn Station around 5 o'clock in the morning? Oh, God. And then I have to be back here for a full day on Monday? Uh, Merry Christmas! <laughs> well, and that's why, you know what, uh, real quickly before we wrap up, people talk about it's great that, you know, they get on national TV. I think the team is more looking at it. Not only do they get back late, you got then a quick turnaround. Saturday okay? against you Minnesota. Got a Saturday game against Good the Vikings. Good point, Lance. Okay? I didn't think about See, that. See, that's what whole people day. are not thinking about. You almost lose two days. That, it's almost like a Thursday it, game. So this is not good news at that's all. That's a great point, Lance. This I have to not think about good that. good news at all. I mean, no, I'm with you from a broadcasting standpoint. I know I'm not traveling like you guys. I'm not excited about it either, but I'm looking at it more from a team concept. You could have went from a Saturday game to a Saturday game. Now you're going from a Sunday late night game on the road to a Saturday game also on the road. Okay? Absolutely. Logistics are not fun. Yeah. And, and because that's now a night game, that field is already pretty messed up, and it does not take moisture well. So what happens is you get a dew and a moisture on that field, and it becomes really sloppy at night. You're much better off playing an earlier game on that on that well, grass field. Well, and you Washington. also you bring up the point. Who knows what the weather's going to be like on Sunday? So they're going to go through the entire day mm -hmm. of wearing down that field, and then they're going to play. And again. by the way, the temperature is going to be a lot lower. You're yeah. playing at night in December. I mean, you look at it. Probably temperatures in the high 30s, low 40s at best, depending on what it looks like. Really, better hope it doesn't rain. Or <laughs> oh, don't even say that. You're a bad person, John. Paul Dettino on the sideline. Let's oh, do you're it. Right. I'm always on the sideline in Washington the whole game. So, you know, I have to say this day, I'm on a Howard. If I sit in front of Howard tomorrow, he might like clock me and I'd be out. He so. would have flipped over the yeah, table. He might have, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I think we're on video again, just like yes. last predicted. <laughs> All right, well. Time will tell whether or not the camera will hold up then, based on those developments. That is going to do it for us here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Beto. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. See ya. Have a good one. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.